Well, hello, Fresh Life Church. Happy New Year. You made it. You made it to 2023. 2022 is officially over. And I can't tell you how excited I am that almost as an act of solidarity that all of us have gathered together on the, this very first day of the year to study God's word and to worship. And I honestly couldn't imagine a better way to get the year started. So y'all are doing so much better than you even realize. Um, and it makes me super pumped. It makes me super excited, one, to jump into God's word. And so I really don't wanna waste any time. I just wanna get right into it. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Philippians chapter three. That's where we're gonna be spending the vast majority of our time together this morning. If you don't have a Bible or you forgot one or whatever, uh, don't worry about it because we'll throw every, everything up on the screens. You can follow along, no problem. We're just pumped that you are here. Happy New Year's, January 1st. This is the very beginning. Uh, what is more synonymous with the beginning of a year than the New Year's resolution, right? We've all done it. We've all set our New Year's resolutions and we all have had very difficult times maintaining those. I actually read, I saw this meme the other day, a little cartoon and the character was writing down his New Year's resolutions. And so the first one he wrote down was to gain more weight. And for his second one, he wrote down was to save less money. And for the third, he wrote um, to set more realistic goals. And it's funny, right? If, if because we've all experienced that. We've all been in that position where we have done everything we can to be better. And yet sometimes it just falls apart. I think we as just humanity, we have this motivation to experience a better life. Like that's just a desire that we have. We want to experience more. And a lot of the times it, it leads to us wanting to change ourselves, right? In order to experience a better life, then we have to change. I, ha I want to become a better husband. I want to become, you know, a, a, a better employee or a better friend. And, and so there has to be some sort of change in me, hence the New Year's resolutions. And I, I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, why is it? that I fail so bad? Why is it that I just can't get it right? Is it that I lack uh, the discipline? Is it that I, I, I lack the amount of care? Am I just not able to accomplish it? Like, why is it that these things always seem to slip through my fingers? And, um, and I genuinely believe, and this is kind of a hot take, that you don't actually have the capability to become better. Kind of flies in the face of any kind of self-help book or anything like that. But I, I honestly believe that you do not have the capacity, you do not have the power or the ability to become better. Otherwise, what would the point of Christmas be? I mean, last week we celebrated Christmas, right? And here you have God, the creator of the universe who has stepped into his very creation. He uh, was born as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He died the death of a criminal. And if that's where the story ended, it would be a real bummer. But then he rose from the grave three days later, conquering death. Why? So that you could experience the best life possible. But if you could just get better and better and better, then eventually you would get to the point where you wouldn't really need God. And so I honestly don't believe that you have the capability, the capacity to be better, to change. 
and 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 it kind of throws us into this age old struggle where you have on you have the, the the on one hand God creating the opportunity for to, you to experience your best life, but then on the other hand, just the internal struggle that every one of us is up against. I think Paul put it as plainly as you possibly could put it when he wrote his uh, letter to the Romans. It says, "For I know that nothing good dwells in me." that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but check this out, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. Here you have Paul articulating this in such a way that he says, what, I do not have the ability. He wants to be better. He wants to make the good decisions. He wants to change. But he says, but I do not have the ability to carry it out. Paul, one of the most prolific followers of Jesus and, and the one who the Holy Spirit has used to, to, to pen the vast majority of this New Testament scripture. And if that's the way that he's talking, what hope do we have? What possible hope do could we what could we possibly have as far as hope when he is speaking in that way? Well, I think we'll find in our study this morning we actually have a lot of hope. And in fact, so much so that I'm very, very excited to get into this word. But before we do, I want to pray for us. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for new beginnings. Thank you so much for a day like today the very start of a year um, where we have this desire, Lord, to just be better. And so God, I pray that in, in the context of your word and the truths that you speak into our heart today, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would inspire us and that you would draw us closer to you. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome. Well, Philippians chapter three, we'll jump right in. Uh, scroll down to verse 12. This is where Paul, I love how he kind of expounds on this idea. Because yes, he has that, uh, uh, that ad, ad admission that he made in the letter to the Romans, but in Philippians, he expounds on it a little bit. He says this, I do not mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I love this verse. I, I genuinely don't think you have the capacity to change, but I think Jesus has the ability to change your life. You see, through Jesus, we have the ability to enter into this flow. How did Paul put it? He said, but this one thing, I, I focus on this one thing. And then it's funny because he says two things, right? This one thing, what? Forgetting what's forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Um, why? It's, it's, it's kind of like two sides of the same coin where it's like you have like, like the negative 
aspect of things where there's a taking away and then there's a positive aspect to things where things are coming in or, or really more so like two sides of a battery, right? If we don't have the power, so to speak, to change our lives, Jesus has the power to change our lives. Um, the other day I was, I was on a, a backcountry snowboarding trip and we got started really early in the morning. It was one of those trips where um, we had to be on the trail hiking at 6 a.m., but I knew it would be dark. And so I, the night before I had bought a new pack of batteries and I put the batteries inside of my, my headlamp. And then uh, when I got to the trailhead, I went to go turn the light on, only it didn't turn on. And I opened up the battery case only to discover that the positive post on my battery had connected to the terminal, but the negative side wasn't touching. And so when I went to go call for the light, nothing changed. It was just darkness. And so you pull out the pocket knife and do some, you know, quick in the field repair work and then put it all back together. Now the positive and the negative posts are engaged. When I went to turn on the light, all of a sudden, boom, now the darkness had turned into light. Without both engaged of this one thing, then there was no change. But when both the negative, the taking away and the positive, the adding in were put together, then there was change. The current flowing happens when both are used in tandem. And in the same way, in the same way God will give you the ability to experience real lasting change. But it starts first with taking away, forgetting what's behind you. So if you're taking notes, that's the first kind of point in this whole talk is forgetting what's behind. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, I think one way is by repenting. It's like, oh, repenting. That if you're not like a church person or <laughs> like you hear that word, it's like repent or damnation, right? No, the thing about repenting is it's actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you were to simplify it down to its, its, its most simple form, it, repenting is really just a shift that happens in your heart. It's, it's, it's a turn, right? It's, it's that you were going this one way, but now you have made a turn. You're going this other way. You were going toward the things that don't make your life better, but now you've shifted and you're, and you're moving away from that. Um, I, I was doing laundry for my family, or I, I had loaded up all the laundry in my truck to go to the laundromat, and it was late in the, in the evening and I was running out of time. I knew the laundromat was going to close soon. Um, but it was necessary for me to get this done. Otherwise, the Guidos weren't going to have any clothes for Christmas. And so as I'm driving down the road, it was a snowstorm. And I passed by this vehicle that had slid off the road and went into deep, deep snow. And uh, it's unfortunate. I think that happens a lot when you buy a Chevy pickup. Um, it just kind of comes with, uh, you know, the territory and I, I, you know, kept driving and, and, and I, as I passed by, there was something in my heart that was like, man, you have a Ford. And so you should probably help this person out because you have that capability. And I was like, oh, but I got to get my laundry done. I need to keep going. And it's like, no. And then what happened was when I got to the next intersection, I actually made the decision to turn around. I turned around and I went back. I worked with the sheriff. He blocked the, the traffic and we were able to pull this person out of the snow. And you know, the thing is, I'm sure that um, the person that, you know, we got out 
was grateful that I had stopped and helped. Um, the sheriff actually said that no tur tow trucks were being deployed, um, that this person was actually just waiting for them, somebody to come get them. So there was actually no hope of them getting out that evening. And uh, they were grateful, but the thing is I was blessed. And so I was going one direction. I had my, my priorities, my agenda, the things I needed to do, but then I made a turn and what did I do? I turned into blessing. Y'all, I was pumped out of my mind. I called my wife. I was like, oh, it was so cool. I got this person out of the snow and it was awesome. It was super cool. Um, repentance is a turning that's toward blessing. It's a turn toward blessing. I love how Paul puts it when he writes um, uh, his letter to the, uh, in Acts. Uh, it says this, uh, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. The, the thing is repentance, repenting, I should say, because it's not just this one-time thing. It's a constant exercise. Repenting is not for God. It's actually for you. It's not for God to like hold his lordship over you and make you feel like an idiot and small and dumb. No, it, it's for you to, to bring blessing. I, I, the way that he says that, right, that, that times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. That does not sound like a burden. That does not sound like a bad day. That is turning toward blessing. Repentance, it's a gift. And it, it's a gift that brings forgiveness so there is an element when there's forgiveness, there should be an element of sorrow, right? If, if my son punched my, his little sister and I told him to say sorry, and he was just like, I'm sorry. There's no, there's no sorrow in that, right? He doesn't really care. He's, he's, he doesn't really change. But if there is a genuine heartfelt sorrow in there, then there can be forgiveness, right? And so repentance is heartfelt sorrow, but it really it's a turn toward blessing. It's a turn toward the gift that God has for you. So I, hi, how do you forget what's behind? I think repenting is a great way to do that. I also think removing. What are the things that need to be taken away from you? What are the things that need to be cut out of your life? Um, some, some of these things might even be things that are inherently good, but, and, and maybe even something that you feel like you could not actually live without but are necessary for you to take away. It reminds me of uh, the 1960 Olympics. In 1960, the Ethiopian, Ethiopian uh, marathon Olympic team made a last minute addition. Um, they added uh, uh, an athlete, his name was uh, Abebe Bikila to the team. And uh, right before they were about to travel to the games, um, Abebe's shoes started falling apart. And so the team's frantic and he's trying to figure out, and you know, they're trying all these different shoes on, they're doing whatever they can to find a replacement, but none of the shoes fit quite right. But it was time for them to head to Rome. And so they arrive in Rome and, and he didn't find anything that just worked. And so he decided while running the most important race of his entire life to go without shoes. He ran 26.2 miles without shoes. And the beautiful thing is he finished. I mean, that in and of itself is a feat that is incredible. Not only did he finish, he actually won. 
And he was the first black African to bring home an Olympic gold medal. I mean, this this is a feat on levels that I can't even imagine. And what's so interesting to me is that as a marathon runner, what would you consider being the most necessary part of everything that you do? It would be your shoes. But in this case, he recognized the fact that if he wore any of the shoes that were presented to him, they would actually slow him down and he wouldn't be able to perform quite the way that he wanted to. And so I have a question for you. What's keeping you from moving forward? What is slowing you down? What's holding you back? It could be a sin issue, right? Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's, you know, um, alcohol. Maybe it's um, a relationship. Maybe it's, I don't know. It could be something that's toxic, but it could also be something that's good. You know, maybe it's, you need to pitch your cell phone or maybe you need to change jobs or I don't know what it is. I, I guarantee you that every single person that is a, a part of this moment right now, the moment I said, what is keeping you from moving forward? Something immediately popped in your mind. I don't want this to be some just rhetorical question that is like, oh yeah, I probably have some. No, think about that, write it down. And if you don't write it down, hold it in your heart because I wanna do something about that later on in this teaching. So I think repenting, that's a huge way to leave things behind. Removing, that's another way uh, to forget what's behind. I think um, also releasing, letting go. And this might actually be the most difficult part of this entire, uh, this entire exercise of, of, of forgetting what's in the past because I know that there are many, many people who are listening to this teaching, who have had extremely difficult things done to them. Extremely hard things that maybe have defined you. And there's so much a part of your identity and there's so much a part of who you are that the idea, the thought of letting go almost seems impossible. But I believe that God, his heart, is to help you release those things. It says this in Psalm 103, uh, verse 11, it says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Maybe, there has been an incredible amount of wrong that has been done to you. Or maybe you have performed an incredible amount of wrong to others. That does not have to be a part of your future. That can be a part of your past if you let go, if you release it, which in a lot of cases, if, if God has forgiven you, sometimes you need to come to grips with the idea of forgiving yourself of, of, of letting go in such a way that you could move forward. When you let go of what's behind you and you forget the failures of yesterday, you can focus on what God has next for you. And I believe that that focus, it changes everything. Um, I heard a story about the founder of JetBlue Airlines. He was diagnosed with ADD. Only the ADD that he has is not the kind that doesn't allow him to focus on anything. It allows him to focus so intently on one thing 
that everything else falls to the wayside, right? So he can't, he doesn't remember his meetings. He doesn't remember to eat. He doesn't know what's, you know, uh, going on or his kids' birthdays or whatever. It's like all those things, they just kind of fall apart because he's so hyper-focused on the one thing that he needs to do. And and it's it's almost like an ability, a, a super, it's like, it's a superpower, so to speak, because it's like he can focus on things like, I don't know, starting JetBlue Airlines, um, and, and, the, and, and it reminds me of this, um, it's an old hymn called Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. And the lyrics say, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's easier to forget the past when you're focused so much on the future. So if you're taking notes, that's going to be our second point. Okay, our second point is looking forward to what's ahead. How do you look forward to what's ahead? Well, first, I think you got to develop a vision. <laughs> Where are you going? What is it that you're actually pursuing? Because I think on one hand, we have the better life, right? What is the better life? I think the better life could be summed up in the phrase, if I could only, if I could only have more money in my bank account, if I could only be a better father, if I could only drive that car, if I could only live in a bigger house, if I could only live in that place, if I can only be stronger and have a cooler physique, right? If I can only, and then we think, then I'll be happy. But y'all, I, I believe that we as a culture have sacrificed our lives on the altar of the better life. And really it's just, I believe it's like a false God that overpromises and never delivers. So in one hand, it's like, okay, is that the vision? Is that what you want to pursue? Or how did Paul put it? He put it in the end of, uh, in verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive what? The heavenly prize, also known as mankind's greatest pursuit. The thing is, you become like who you spend time with. Okay, so I am living and breathing here today. I am not in a diabetic coma because of the woman that I have spent the last 16 years of my life with, my wife. Um, Y'all, I I, seriously, before 8 a.m., I would eat two bags of tear and share Skittles and drink a gallon of Mountain Dew. That was literally my breakfast every day of my life. But then when I got married... My wife, you know, I started caring about the things that she cared about. I started caring about eating healthy food and I started caring about, you know, ways that I can improve my, my, my personal, like my, my personal health by exercising and walking and, and doing the things that matter to her. The thing is I became more like her the more I spent time with her. Imagine what it's like spending time with getting to know the one who is perfect when you are spending time with them, then all of a sudden you start taking on their characteristics. Um, Jesus says this in Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And look at this, all these things will be added to you. All these things. What does that mean? It means I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better employee. I, I, I want to be healthy. I want to do these things. But if that's what I'm chasing after, if, if, if I'm striving after change, I never will. But if I'm looking to Jesus, 
that will happen. I'll gain all of these things. Why? Because he's perfect and I'll take on those attributes as I go on. So then at that point, you've, you've established a vision for your life. Then you have to ask yourself the question. You have to make a decision. Decide, do you want it? Do you actually, do you actually want that? Because what I believe is, is being presented to you is the absolute best life. But I think in a lot of ways, we as Christians kind of treat our relationship with God like, like, a, like a wedding, like a, a marriage, a wedding, but no marriage, right? It's like we, we stand at the altar, so to speak, and we commit our lives and we say, Lord, I, I want to live for you. I want to love you. I want to pursue you. And, but then from that point, all of a sudden, there's like this disengagement and there's no relationship and there's no drawing close. There's no leaning in. And yet God is inviting us in um, so profoundly. He says this in Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and what? Find me when you seek me with all of your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. The thing is, he, he lets it be your call. What is your intention? Like, what do you want to do? If that vision is powerful enough, the idea of becoming more like God and having your whole life changed in a powerful and beautiful way, if that's something that you want, then, then what are you going to do? What will you decide? Do you want the better life? Or would you like to enjoy the best life? Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote this in The Pursuit of God. It says, come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him, they prayed and they wrestled and they sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long seeking. Do you want it? Do you want to experience the best life? If you can see it, and if you want it, then the last thing that needs to happen is the means. How do, you, how do you determine the means? How do we make this thing happen? Well, I think this is the beautiful part because I think if you see it and I think if you want it, then it will happen. Why? Because you'll figure, it out, figure out a way to make it so. The problem that we so often run into is that we make the means the solution, right? That's typically our starting point. That's where we begin. We just say, oh, I, I, I want to be a better father, so I will do this. And what happens? Well, I end up failing. But, it, but with this, as I have a desire to be a better father and I'm spending more time with Jesus, what happens is the result is I become a better father. Uh, Philippians 1.6 says this, Paul, speaking again, and I am sure of this, okay? It's not like, ah, this might happen. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That, that, that you will finish the work that has started, that you will complete the things that you wanted to set out to do? No, but that he would complete the work that he began in you. God will finish what he started in you. What an absolutely amazing, beautiful thought. Y'all, this, this talk is not about resolution. It's about restoration. It's about us 
getting back to, to what God had intended for us. It's, it's about how change actually happens. Real change happens as Jesus moves through you. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says, by his divine power. By how? By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his glory and, and excellence. But by means of his glory, marvelous glory and excellence. How did we get there? By his power. How did it happen? We received all these things by coming to know him. In him, you have everything that you need to not experience a better life, but to experience the best life. And God, he's calling you to join him. Every failed resolution leads to disappointment, shame, regret, but every failure in Jesus means you get to start over again and again and again. And again, the only, the only thing is every time you do, there isn't, it's not, there's no shame involved, but power. Each time you forget what's behind you, you become stronger. Every time you look to, to see what's ahead of you in this relationship with God, you become more rich in your heart and your mind and your soul through Jesus. Every step you take with God you'll become more and more like him. And in turn, you'll experience the unmistakable lasting change that will mark your life both now and throughout all eternity through Christ Jesus. Sounds pretty awesome, huh? Would you like to experience the best life? I know I would. On this January 1st day, I would love to grow in my relationship with God and gain all of these things. Well, I want to wrap up this message. Um, in Jewish culture, they celebrate Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is called the Feast of New Beginnings. It happens in September because that's when the Jewish New Year happens. Um, but it's a beautiful um, moment that they spend where you spend the vast majority of the day of and even eight days before that just kind of in this spirit of forgetting what's behind, right? Of, of letting go what's behind. There's an element of repentance. There is an element of, of removing. There's an element of releasing that happens over those days. And then it accumulates with this, uh, or culminates at, uh, in this feast that you have. But the feast is characterized by really sweet foods like apples dipped in honey. Why? So that you could taste how sweet the grace of God is and his forgiveness. And one of the traditions that they do that I absolutely love, our family had actually participated in this this year because my wife had the idea of celebrating Rosh Hashanah, um, is you, you grab a loaf of bread and you head out to a river. And when you get to the river, you think about those things that you don't want to be a part of your life anymore. Maybe it's something you know, wrong or evil or sinful that you don't want to be a part of your life. Or maybe it's something that's like baggage that you've been carrying that you don't want. And so you, I mean, if, you, if repentance is necessary, then you repent for the things that you, you feel that deep heartfelt sorrow, right? But then what you do is you take the bread and you tear a piece off the bread symbolizing the removing it from your life. And then you take that piece of bread and you toss it into the river. And that river carries it further and further and further away from you. The current 
of the river, so to speak, takes it away while at the same time brings new life into your world. And so we thought, what, a, what an amazing way to start off this new year than to create that same experience for us. We'll just kind of borrow from the Jews, so to speak, you know, uh, their, their tradition of new beginnings and, and use it for us today. Um, and so what we've done, if, if you're in one of our locations, we've set up some tables here at the front where you can come down and you can grab the bread and think about that, that question I asked you. What is it that is holding you back? What is it that's slowing you down? What is, what is it that's keeping you from moving forward? And pray about that. Tear that piece of bread off as if it, you were tearing it off of your life. And then we have a basket that you can drop that in. And what we'll do, our team is actually gonna take that basket with all of these pieces of bread. We're gonna go to a river. We're gonna pray over these things that are being taken off and we're gonna cast them into the river for you so that you know that every second of every day for the rest of your life, that will be carried further and further away from you. It will no longer be a part of your life. And if you're joining us online, um, I would encourage you to do the same thing. Go, go to the store, go to the pantry and, and grab a loaf of bread, grab your family, maybe grab some friends and, and go find a body of water, go find a river somewhere um, or whatever, get creative. But just embrace the idea that God wants to free you. He wants you to be able to forget the past. Why? So that you can look toward the future and everything that he has in store for you. And if you're here today and you've never even entered into, you don't even know what it's like to have a relationship with God. Well, I would love to be able to invite you to do that here in just a moment. Um, it's very simple. It starts with a prayer, kind of like a wedding ceremony, right? Where you stand at the altar and you commit your life. But from there, this relationship develops. And, uh, and, and, and that is the glorious pursuit that we were talking about. And so we'll give you an opportunity to do that in just a little bit. But uh, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for new beginnings. Thank you for the opportunity to start over again and again and again and again, but with power and grace and strength. And God, I pray that you would, you would help give us a vision for what it's like to pursue you, to pursue you and gain everything and, and, and to experience the change that we so desperately want to experience. So God, I pray that you would do that in, in our hearts, pray that you do it in our lives and that I, I pray that our lives would be blessings to the people around us and pray this in Jesus' name. And if you're here and you wanna give your life to Jesus, um, I wanna lead you in that prayer. It's really simple. Our whole church is gonna join you in this prayer, um, but you just say this after me. So say this if you wanna give your life to Jesus right now. Say, dear God, I give you my heart. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for giving me the chance of a new life. Help me to live for you. Give me your strength. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and allow me to experience the best life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.